Well, thank you so much, Father Mitch, for, uh, for having me over here. Uh, I am very passionate about this topic because, first, for several reasons, namely because of spirituality itself. And obviously I'm a priest, so I'm a, you know, I consider myself a fairly spiritual person. Uh, but growing up, I was just always fascinated with all things that are spiritual. And even as a young man, uh, there, there, there was never a lot that was ever said to me about angels, other than maybe the guardian angel prayer that you pray at school, you know, just little snippets here and there, but it just seemed like angels were just an incredible part of our church. It's, we are inundated with imagery. You know, there, there, there is rare is there a Christian piece of artwork that there isn't an angel snuck in there, at least somewhere. And because of that, I kind of was always fascinated by it, and uh, when I was in seminary, just started studying up on it, reading up on it a lot. And because of that, uh, I, I don't consider myself an expert on angelology and demonology, just an enthusiast. So that being said, brothers and sisters, I'm so happy to be here, and let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Holy Father, you have given us a wealth of knowledge in your church. We ask you to open our hearts and our minds to this knowledge so that we might come to know you better. Send down your angels and the intercession of your saints upon us and give us the grace to know you more, more faithfully and to devote ourselves during this Lenten season into becoming wiser in the faith and into becoming more dedicated to you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So angels and demons, it's an interesting topic, right? It's not just a, uh, a Da Vinci Code movie. I don't encourage you to watch those movies because they're, they're kind of crazy. But angels and demons are a very intimate part of our faith, but also something that many of us don't know a whole lot about. Because it's, it's not something that a lot of priests talk about very often. There's no particular reason for that. It's not like priests have anything to hide or anything like that. It's just a subject that's oftentimes skirted over. Because usually when we're preaching, we're preaching about the gospel. We're preaching about the words of Jesus Christ. We're preaching about his teachings that apply to us specifically. And there's another reason behind that. And I always like to use the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe as an example. Do we have an image? There she is, right there. Our Lady of Guadalupe is a perfect example of what I'm talking about, because when you look at the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, what's the first thing that you see? Hopefully you're thinking, Our Lady. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Our Lady is the first thing you see, right? As it should be as it should be. But if you look underneath her right there, at the base of her feet, there is a little bitty angel holding up that, I, I don't know what you'd call that thing, the half moon that she's standing on, and he's holding her up. But very few people ever notice that there is an angel in that picture holding up Our Lady. And that's why I think we don't know a whole lot about them, because angels have intense humility. It's not about them. Angels are designed to promote others, right? Specifically, our Lord and 
his angel, uh, and his saints, and of course, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Angels are servants. In fact, I've called this talk Invisible Servants, because we're dealing with an invisible spiritual force, right? Uh, both angels and demons, and both of them are servants. Servants for God or servants of evil. And because of that, brothers and sisters, uh, servitude is probably one of the most integral things that we can understand about angels. They are servants. Through and through, that is their purpose in life. Their purpose is to serve, to serve God and his needs, and through God, through God's command, to serve us and our needs. And demons, on the flip side, are also servants. They are angels that betrayed God, betrayed their trust in God, betrayed their faith, and have devoted themselves to a life of servitude of evil. And they've devoted themselves to destroying everything, or trying to destroy everything that God does for us, and trying to destroy everything that we do in order to get closer to God. But we're going to get into that in a minute. So I'm just going to talk about angels first. What are they? What is an angel? A lot of confusion about that out there. And a lot of people think of angels, you know, we have these beautiful images of angels, right? Kind of a, a humanoid form with big wings, you know? And because of these images, which are beautiful and do point to something beautiful, because of these images, though, some of us can maybe tend to think that angels are kind of ridiculous, these people with these big wings fluttering around, you know? We have a lot of different artwork out there. Have you ever seen those paintings of angels? It's just a head with wings, you know? Or Michelangelo, he always seemed to depict them as chubby little babies, you know? A bunch of fat babies on a, on a painting. Because of that, there's a kind of a ridiculousness to some of our thoughts of what an angel is. But I promise you, angels are extraordinarily beautiful and powerful. So what are they? Well, angels are created by God. That's the first thing we have to understand about an angel. Just like us, they are created by God. They are in an intelligent being, not human, an intelligent spiritual being created by God in an instant. There wasn't, there's not a mama angel and daddy angel, and when they get together, they make baby angels, right? All of the angels, every single one of them, were created in an instant at the same time when God created the heavens. When he created the heavens, he created beings to fill the heavens, right? Those beings we call angels, and they're purely spirit. They have no bodies, no forms. So even though the Saint, this image of St. Michael looks awesome, when buff with his sword and a pose crushing the devil, angels don't really look like anything or anything that we can imagine because they are purely spiritual. They don't have a physical form. So we have these images in the same way that we have images of God the Father, right? An old man, you know, usually depicted in a triangle with a big Santa Claus beard floating on a cloud. The reason why we have these images, brothers and sisters, is because we are physical. We're finite, right? And we need imageries to help us understand. You can't paint a pin painting of something that is formless and has no physicality, right? It would just 
I mean, there, there's, there wouldn't even be a color, right? It's something that we can't picture. And so we design beautiful images to give us a person, a person to gaze upon and think about, because angels are persons. Not human persons, but they are persons. Individuals. Individuals with individual thoughts and personalities and gifts, right? And uh, different, you know, uh, missions. My angels have all been given different missions. So angels are pure spiritual be beings. So we know what they are. Pure spiritual beings, intelligent beings created by God, right? When? When were they created? Well, they were created at the beginning of time, right? When God began the creation process, let there be light, let there be such and such, right? That's when he created the angels, right? When he created existence itself, right? The existence that we know, when he created time, when he created space, when he created the planets, the heavens, right? That's when the angels were created. <clears throat> How many? We don't know exactly, but Scripture says several times, myriads and myriads, as it describes. Myriads and myriads means a lot of angels. Lots and lots of them. A whole bunch of angels. So many angels, in fact, we're going to get into this more later, that every single one of you has a personal guardian angel. As a matter of fact, every single person on this planet has a guardian angel, plus myriads and myriads more, right? So there are a lot of angels, myriads and myriads of them, all right? So he created them at the beginning of time, all right? What's their purpose? Well, the purpose of an angel, as I mentioned before, is to serve God. God created the angels, first of all, to fill the heavens with life, with intelligence, with servitude. Angel, angels stand as those spiritual beings who live in heaven with God and are in a constant state of worshiping Him. Because you see, the whole reason why God created anything, period, is to worship Him, to love Him, right? There is no reason for creation, there is no reason at all, if God is not being loved. And so angels are those spiritual beings that God created to love him at all times, even when we, human beings, fail to do so. God is constantly, 24-7, at all times, being loved and praised by beings other than himself. And there's also the Trinitarian love. So God's being loved for eternity because there's the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So no matter what's going on, God is love and God is being loved. That's a profound thing. That's a beautiful thing. That's a strong part of spirituality, a strong part of our faith. God is love and God is being loved. That's the whole point of our existence and that's the whole point of the existence of the angels, to love God. So what makes them different than us then? Why create angels when he created human beings, right? Why, why all these, you know, different categories, if you will? <clears throat> well, angels serve, right, a specific duty in that they are God's messengers. 
They help to carry out God's work. God doesn't need beings to carry out his work. It's a mystery why God created angels to carry out his work, but he did because he is love, and he desired that he have spiritual beings that love him in return, just as he desires us to love him in return, right? So the reason uh, he created angels is to also be his messengers, to carry out messages, right? And you might think, well, I mean, is, is, is the angels kind of God's postal service, you know, the UPS, they wear brown, they come down, they deliver packages? Not quite. You see, angels deliver spiritual messages, messages of grace. Angels deliver God's grace to us, right? They deliver God's grace to the universe. They deliver God's grace everywhere, to all things, right? And they deliver prayers. Our prayers, they deliver back to God, right? They, they are a people that their job is to take all things that are beautiful and good and carry them back and forth to God, right, as messengers. And some angels are given specific missions, specific messenger missions. We know about that because of Scripture, right? Most namely, speaking of Our Lady, is the angel Gabriel, right? That angel was given one of the greatest missions of all time, right, to deliver the good news that she was to bear a son and name him Jesus, to bring the message of the Incarnation. Powerful, profound, right? And there's other angels, right? There's three angels specifically mentioned in the Bible by name, right? St. Michael, St. Raphael, and St. Gabriel, right? So there's three angels mentioned by name in the Bible, and those three angels had very specific duties, very specific missions that were given by God, but all of them fit under the umbrella of messenger, servant, right? Beautiful thing when you think about it. And there is also a fourth angel mentioned in the Bible. Can you all think of who that is? Lucifer, the devil. The only other angel named in the Bible, Lucifer. And so what's the difference between angels and demons, right? What's the difference between them? Well, the difference between them is their state in life. You see, demons are not a separate being. Demons are angels. That's what they are. At least that's what they originally were. They have foregone a lot in their existence. And what demons are, are angels who have fallen from heaven, fallen from grace, fallen from their place in heaven and placed into hell where they will burn for eternity. And demons have all of the same characteristics, all of the same powers, all of the same, I guess you could say, gifts that angels have. Demons have the same intelligence, for instance. They have the same properties and the fact that they are purely spiritual. They don't, you know, the devil is not a red man with horns and a pitchfork, right? That's our depiction of the devil because when we think evil, we think a red man with horns and a pitchfork, right? But demons are exactly the same. They are formless, right? They don't have a body, just like an angel. So anything that you think of as an angel, 
You can think the same as a demon, except angels serve God and demons serve evil, right? So at the beginning of time, when God created the angels, there's the big difference between angels and us, other than, right, physicality, them being spiritual, us having body and soul, right? Big difference between angels and us is that angels, right, were given all knowledge of good and evil in an instant when they were created. Because God created them all at the same time, right, in a flash. And angels were given all of the knowledge that they have, all of the wisdom, full knowledge of good and evil, in an instant. They were instantly intelligent, instantly knew right from wrong, instantly knew, to a certain degree, right, God's plan for them. Well, now, you might say, well, we can't totally know God's plan. I mean, angels are, let's, let's be very clear, God is still infinitely, infinitely more powerful than the angels are, but angels do have a special type of power, a special type of wisdom. They are far, far wiser than any of us can ever be, right? Until at least we reach the beatific vision, right? But angels were given everything in an instant, and because of that, they were also given an instant choice. Choose God or choose to disobey, right? Choose to serve good or choose to serve evil. And so in Scripture, in Revelation, which is probably the most detailed account of all things regarding the heavens, right? The apocalypse literature. The uh, St. John describes heaven and the dragon, the devil, as well, he just describes the devil as a dragon in his great and mighty tail, swiping one-third of the stars of heaven and dragging them into hell with him. And because of that, our church tradition is that one-third of all the angels, or rather two-thirds, I'm sorry, two-thirds of all of the angels, or is it one-third? Read this real quick. One-third. Yeah, one-third. I had that right. One-third of all of the angels were swept out of heaven. Right? So one-third of the stars, stars refer to angels, were swiped out of heaven and fell with the devil. So a lot of angels chose to not follow God because of their pride, because they would not serve, because they thought the idea of serving God repulsive, because they thought the idea of doing anything in servitude to be repulsive. And so they were damned to hell for eternity. Now, here's a question that a lot of people might think. Well, you know, can angels, I mean, can demons, can they be redeemed? Can they be saved? Can they change their mind? The answer is no. Because they have full knowledge of good and evil, angels can, uh, demons cannot change their mind. Their decision was total and permanent, and they knew it was. There's no going back for them. They cannot be saved at this point. They can't say, well, I'm sorry for doing that. Can you please let me back in heaven? It's over for them. So we can't pray for, for demons. We can't pray for them or intercede for them. As a matter of fact, they sure as heck don't want us to. 
They want us to stay as far away from prayer and intercession as possible because they are evil. They, they hate everything there is, that everything that has to do with God, right? And they have made that choice. They have chosen to be evil, right? You might ask, how can someone choose to be evil? Well, how could someone make that choice when, they, when you're given everything, when you're given so much? How can you choose to do something like that? Well, brothers and sisters, do you ask yourself that every day when you make a mistake? We've been given everything too, right? Of course, you know, we don't have full knowledge of good and evil, but we've been given a lot, and we sometimes choose to do silly things, right? Fortunately, we have a lot less when it comes to our intellect, right? We have a lot less when it comes to our knowledge of good and evil, and so our choices are rarely permanent, right? They, we develop, right? That's part of our human condition, is that we, unlike the angels, we have bodies. We're here for a temporary amount of time, and we start as babies, right? And we grow into adults, right? And during that process, we learn more and more and more, God willing, about the faith. We learn more about life. You know, we we become inspired by things. We become discouraged by things. We're not given all of it at once. And so most of the time, our decisions and our thoughts are slightly uninformed, right? And because of that, that's a good thing for us, right? That's, that's why we have salvation. That's why we have confession. That's why we have the sacraments and all these things. Because these things are, helped, are, are, are meant to help us learn more about the faith so we could become more perfect, right? Angels, they were given all of that at once, right? So their decision was permanent. So the demons made a big mistake, but the angels made an incredible choice, an incredibly beautiful choice, a very selfless choice. Because when you think about this, too, you might think, well, the de demons, they're pretty crazy for letting all of that go. But here's the flip side. You've got to realize that angels are kind of crazy, too, to a certain degree. And I don't mean like, woohoo, crazy. But when you think about it, they chose to love and serve God for eternity out of pure love and devotion to Him. And they chose to love and serve you and me for eternity. That is profound, brothers and sisters. I mean, there's, there's no more selfless act than that. An act of servitude, completely devoted to doing God's will, completely devoted to making sure that you all try to get to heaven, right? They've devoted themselves to that, and they will never turn back. They will never go awry on that task. They have permanently decided to love. So that is a profoundly beautiful decision. Something that many of us have a hard time with, right? How many times have you permanently decided to love somebody through thick and thin, right? Maybe on your wedding day, right? Hopefully on your wedding day, right? But it's not easy, is it? It's not easy loving everybody through everything. But the angels do that for us. 
They love us through everything. And they watch us as we make mistakes and as we do terrible things. They watch. They know. And yet they still choose to serve us. They still choose to serve God through all of those different things because they have complete faith and trust in God and his creation. It's pretty profound. It's amazing. You see why I'm into this, y'all? It's pretty cool stuff. Everybody with me? Anybody falling asleep yet? Hopefully not. Good. Shake your heads. Yes, Father Paul, we're awake. Good. Awesome. Just got to make sure y'all are alive every once in a while, you know? So we know how many angels there are. We know basically what they are to a certain degree. We know where they come from. They come from heaven, right? So what, what kinds of angels are there? You know, I've mentioned that there's different angels, right? Well, there's actually, according to the tradition of the church, there are nine choirs of angels. So nine different kinds of angels. And there's a reason for this, brothers and sisters. You see, heaven, God, right, all of our faith is designed as a hierarchy. And that is evident in everything that we see in our lives, in our spiritual lives, and in the faith itself, right? God is at the head, right? And everything that he created is beneath him, not as powerful as he is, not even close, right? Because of that, there is a natural hierarchy to everything. That includes the angels, right? And we on earth, right, represent... You know, by some of the things that we do here, represent the hierarchy of heaven, right? Perfect example is the church. Who's at the head of the church? The human head. Not God at its head, but the human head. The Pope, right? The Pope sits in the chair, right? After the Pope, it's the magisterium. It's the cardinals and bishops. After that, in parishes, you've got priests. After priests, you've got deacons. After deacons, you've got acolytes like old Ken over there, right? No acolyte can. You're part of the hierarchy, right? We all, we all have levels, right? Our government reflects that, right? We are, there is naturally, part of our existence is leadership, people who are higher than us. And that does kind of incite jealousy within us and different things. And like you might say, well, you know, leaders are imperfect and all. Of course, right? We're human beings. We're all imperfect, but we need leadership, and we recognize that we need it because it's a very, very big part of how things are made. Things are made, designed for hierarchy. It's no different in heaven, right? Nine choirs of angels, and there's different levels of angels. Some of the angels are greater than others. Not greater so much in holiness, but certainly of power and status, right? And it's not... You might ask me right now, the big, big question, well, what are they? Well, look it up. There's no, there's no need for me to get into the individual choirs of angels, because that'll just confuse you. The important thing to know, though, is, is that there are different levels of angels, and each of these different levels of angels have different tasks, different missions, right, as part of that hierarchy. But all of them ultimately worship God, right? All of them. I will say this, the second to lowest of, of angels, right, the bottom of the totem pole, right, these guys, the archangels, 
So if you look at the nine choirs of angels, at the very tippy top is the seraphim. At the very bottom, it's archangels and then angels, right? Just plain angels. So, and you look at this guy, I mean, for lack of a better way of putting it, right, he's, he's pretty bad to the bone, right? I mean, this, guy, this guy's not, not, not kidding around, right? Buff, you know? He's the lowest of angels. Imagine what the seraphim look like. God, I mean, like the Incredible Hulk, you know? I, I kid, of course, but it is amazing to think, though, that there are, you know, we got this image of, of St. Michael, which is, you know, this big, beautiful, buff guy who's, you know, defeating the devil, right? But, uh, but that there are angels that are even higher than that. But they all have different missions, right? But all those missions fit under the umbrella of messenger. And so, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? Why, why, why even bother knowing? I mean, yeah, it's cool to know about angels, but why know about the angels? Why, why bother knowing about them? Why, why do we put? Well, I always say this because I've had this question before. Somebody asked me, like, why, why, you know, why, why do we even teach about the angels? I mean, it's cool that they're there. That's cool. Uh, great. Thanks, angel. I'm glad you're there. But why even know about them? Because if we if we're praying to God and we're you know we're we're trying to become saints and all this stuff, like why bother with them? And my response is always this: Well, how many times is angel are angels mentioned in the Bible? Angels are mentioned 108 times in the Old Testament, 165 times in the New Testament. Now I am no mathematician. But if anything is mentioned several hundred times in a book, the author of the book probably wants you to know a thing or two about them, right? Probably wants you to know a little bit about why they exist, what they mean to us, right? And then, like I said, angels aren't in it for themselves. They're not looking to puff themselves up and be like, ooh, I'm a big old angel and I'm, you know, I'm cool. That's not what angels are like. Angels are all about pointing to God, pointing us to God, right? Pointing us to the Blessed Virgin Mary, pointing us to our faith. Angels are in a constant state of leading us to where we need to be in order to get closer to God, in order to love him more. So it's not about themselves. But it's important for us to know about angels because angels are included in the number of the saints, right? What's the difference between angels and saints? Well, this is a good question, right? Well, first of all, you know, let's go into saints. So there's human saints and there's angel saints, right? We say Saint Michael, right? Because he is a saint, right? A saint refers to any spiritual being that's not God that is currently in heaven and interceding, right? Any being that's in heaven, that's not God, that's currently interceding, right? That's what we refer to as saints. And there's a difference between saints and proclaimed saints, because we have proclaimed saints of the church, and then we also have unknown saints that aren't proclaimed. They are saints, but we just don't know that they are, because we don't, you know, we don't have the, the proper information to proclaim them saints, Right? So we have proclaimed saints of the church, and the saints of the church, right, 
We all know what a saint is. It's an exemplary person who lived, you know, who lived on earth, who displayed the ideal, you know, tenets of the Catholic faith in their life in some kind of way, shape, or form. They lived a life of holiness, a life of exemplary holiness, a life of holiness that was so powerful, it's worth following. It's worth taking a note of. It's worth learning from, right? That's one of the most beautiful things about our Catholic faith that nobody else has, right? You might have one or two people here, you know, you might have like Gandhi or someone like that who's a really neat guy, but there's no other faith that has the saints, that has hundreds and hundreds, perhaps thousands of exemplary people that we can look to and say, this was a person who lived the faith well. So well, in fact, that we know that they're in heaven and we know that they're interceding and we know that they're happy with God for eternity. And we know that they're doing things to help us to get closer to God, right? And so saints are those that the church has recognized, right? Saints are, the, are those that the church has recognized as living those exemplary lives. And through three miracles, three profound miracles, right? It takes three miracles to become a saint, right? First you become venerable, then you become blessed, then you become a saint, right? So the, proce the, the process of miracle proof is to prove that there's only one place that a person can intercede. There's only one place that a person can intercede, and that is in heaven. So if somebody's cured of cancer or something like that via the name of a saint, there's no way that that person could have done it if they weren't in heaven. And so be making someone a saint is acknowledging, we know that you're in heaven. We know that you're in heaven and we pray to your intercession because we know now that you are interceding for people because you're in heaven, right? Angels, right, they're in heaven. And guess what they're doing? Interceding constantly for us. And so they are included among the saints. As a matter of fact, many times when the saints are mentioned, we say angels and saints, right? God surrounded by his angels and saints, right? You've all heard this before, right? Y'all come to Mass? Good. Just making sure, right? We hear this all the time, right? There are angels and saints in heaven, and all of them are interceding, right? It's a beautiful thing. It's powerful. It's profound. How am I doing on my time? Mitch told me it was a clock. All right, we're doing all right. Good. Somewhere over there. All right. <laughs> and so we have these different levels of angels. We know that they're in heaven, right? We know that they are interceding. We know that, they're, that it's worth knowing about them because of their intercession. It's also worth knowing, knowing about the angels because of a very particular type of angel, one that I mentioned before, a guardian angel. Right? You see, every single human person, every single human person, when your soul was infused with your body, right? At that moment, God granted you a personal guardian angel. Every single human being gets one. A personal angel. An angel that's for you specifically. For you to pray to, to be a part of your life, right? There's no way of knowing this unless we know our faith, right? There's no way. The angel doesn't like, you know, 
you know, when you're born, like pop up and say, here I am, I'm your guardian angel, my name's Fred, how are you? You know, I'm going to be uh, wrapping you in my wings for the, for the rest of your life, you know? Well, stay off, you know, look both ways before you cross the street, <laughs> you know? That's not what angels do, right? They're purely spiritual. God tends, right, not to give us all kinds of visual miraculous stuff because we're supposed to have faith, right? Part of the faith is going through this life without a lot of miraculous stimuli for a very, very real reason, right? We don't have a lot of miraculous stimuli. We ask for it all the time. Oh, Lord, please, do show me a sign. Show me a sign, right? We all want a sign. We all want proof. I demand proof, darn it. I want to see it. It's easier for me to believe if I see it. Right? God tells us many times that it doesn't do us any good to see things. It doesn't. You want proof? All you have to do is look into the Old Testament and check out this little group of people called the Israelites. Right? A little famous group of people, right? The Israelites were traveling around the desert, you know. Moses, right, they get to the Red Sea, strikes a staff against the rock. The power of God, the miraculous God, splits the Red Sea. Okay? Now, <laughs> I know I'm a priest, but if I saw the Gulf of Mexico <laughs> split in half in front of me, and I was able to walk through to my favorite fishing spot. And there was a bunch of Egyptians chasing me for some odd reason. And then all of a sudden that sea closed when I got to safety. And all those guys got washed away. I would say, hmm, there might just be a God. <laughs> you know, wouldn't you think? Guess what the Israelites did literally days after that? They built a golden calf and started worshiping a fake god. Days after that. Days! Hours after that. Okay? That's humanity. That's us, okay? So if ever you ask for a sign, like, God, please send me a sign. Please. It's not going to do you any good. Because in three days after you're wowed and shocked and awed, guess what? You're going to be back to your old routine. You're not going to believe once again. God knows that it's easier. It's easier when we don't see things and believe because when we take it by faith, our faith is stronger. Miracles do not make our faith stronger. That is why Jesus chose to die on the cross and not come down from the cross like the Pharisees were taunting him to. Save yourself! Save yourself! Prove it to us that you are the Christ. He didn't. He didn't. He suffered and died because he knew that he knew very well that our faith one day would become stronger knowing that he died for our sins rather than saved himself by a miracle. It's profound, brothers and sisters, and this applies to everything. And so no, our guardian angels don't reveal themselves to us. We have to take it by faith. Several times in Scripture, it's, our guardians are mentioned, Right? where we get this knowledge from. It is in Scripture. I don't have enough time to go through every Scripture passage, but, there, but I promise you, if you look it up, Scripture of guardian angels, it's in there, right? And I encourage you to do that. If you want to challenge, I challenge Father Paul Birdsall on what he said 
Look it up online. That's the power of Google, right? The almighty Google, right? Google it. I'm serious. How do you think I get this information? I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we all have a guardian angel, right? And our guardian angels have been given so many beautiful tasks, right? Namely, to watch over us and protect us. And you might ask yourself, well, where was so-and-so's guardian angel when he got hit by that car? Where was so-and-so's guardian angel when they fell into drugs and addiction? Where was so-and-so's guardian angel when my meemaw got sick? Where was so-and-so's guardian angel when I got into financial debt? Hmm? We ask ourselves this. It's because angels fit into God's plan, not their own. Right? They do things according to God's plan. They're his messengers. They're not their own messengers. They're his messengers. We don't know God's plan. We don't know why things happen. But what we do know is, is this. We are bound to the realities of this world. We're bound to them. We will get sick. We will die. Tragedy will happen. Why? As a result of our sin. As a result of the fall of humanity, we are doomed to the realities of this world. And God sometimes decides, you know what? I will intervene because of the faith of the people. They need some inspiration right now. And you might say, well, that's, that's not fair. Why? How could he? Yeah, of course it's fair. It's God. He created us. He gave us everything. Of course it's fair. What's unfair is our demands because we don't deserve to be saved. But he did. We don't deserve it, brothers and sisters. I mean, I, just, I think about my sins all the time and think, oh, gosh, I, don't, I do not deserve all the, all the benefits that I have as a Catholic to be able to just go into a box and my sins be forgiven by a priest? You know? You ever thought about that? Most of us are terrified of confession. Oh, God, I'm not going to confess. That priest is going to whip me. You know? That guy in black, he's going to tell me I'm not a good person. You know? But do we really deserve to be forgiven? Think about it. Do we deserve it? The, the terrible things that we do sometimes? But God allows it so because he loves us just that much and he gave us angels. So let's get into demons, right? We've talked a lot about angels. Let's get into demons a little bit. I don't want to spend too much time on them because they're not worth it. They're not, all right? Hollywood has done something terrible for demonology and that it has given it attention. The worst thing you can do for the devil and demons is give them attention. So pay attention. Just kidding. You see, demons, as we mentioned, are fallen angels. So they apply all the things that I said about angels apply to demons other than the good stuff, right? Demons have decided to disobey God. They've eternally done so. They are in hell. But God has allowed them to still, you know, have the same properties of angels. So they are purely spiritual. And something I forgot to mention about angels and demons is that they can, they can become visible to us, right? They, they, do in the, they do in the Bible, remember? Like the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. So they can take a, to us a physical form, 
right? They don't become physical, but they can become visible to us and take on a form so that we can better understand. It's hard to communicate with something you can't see when you're physical, right? And so angels do the same. Demons can do the same thing, right? Angels have the power to manipulate matter, right? To manipulate spirituality, if you will, things around us, right? Angels do it for good reasons. Demons do it for bad reasons. But everything that angels do and everything that demons do, right, is only done because God allows it so, right? There's no, like, they're not, like, on, uh, you know, set free to go do whatever they want. Like, God's like, okay, you demons, you're bad, but you can go do whatever you want. God allows it so, right? Why? Well, you know, it's, it stinks having to deal with, right, temptation and stuff like that and having to deal with demons who hate us and want us to fail. But also, because of our sin, right, and because of our decay, right, having, you know, these, these things do teach us resilience, these things do teach us how to turn away from evil, right? In the same way that good teaches us the value of love and whatnot. So there's, a, there's always a teaching thing involved when, when it comes to angels and demons. There's always something involved as far as God goes in teaching us and helping us to know more. And so demons, right, have committed themselves to evil, committed themselves to a life of decay and destruction. Demons hate us. They find us disgusting, repulsive. The idea of flesh mingled with spirit is like really, really disgusting to them. We are worms to them. We are horrible, disgusting, putrid beings according to demons, right? Part of the reason why they fell is because they didn't they sure as heck didn't want to serve us. They thought it was beneath them. These lesser creatures, this mingling of spirit and flesh. You want us to do stuff for them, God? Forget it. Right? I will not serve. That's what the demons said. Right? They didn't want to serve. They didn't want to have to deal with us. Instead, they make a mockery out of us, right? They get their warm and fuzzies by making our lives miserable, right? By thwarting, by trying to thwart everything that God does, by trying to lead us off the path, because they hate everything that has to do with love and God, and they try to destroy all of it. That's what they do. They're hell-bent on it. You know that word, hell-bent? Right? You ever heard that before? Man, there's hell-bent on doing That comes from, you know... That, that's, that's an accurate description, right? Demons are hell-bent, right? They are devoted to a life of evil, right? But it's important that we don't give them more power, right? It's important that we do not give them any power, right? Because demons are powerless next to the love of God, and next to the intercession of the angels and saints. Demons are nothing next to our prayer. They are completely powerless next to these things. But they are still dangerous. And we do still need to be aware of them. It's important for us to be aware of them for a very particular reason. 
there's one way that the devil works that's more powerful than any other way. You see, when we think of demons, we think of the devil, we think of this big, scary figure who, like in the Hollywood movies, can make people levitate, make their heads spin, speak in other languages, vomit pea soup, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, right? That's what we think of when we think of the devil, right? When we think of evil, when we think of demons, right? That's what we think of. But actually, they are scared scared to death of God. Scared to death of Him because they know they're powerless next to Him. And they are scared to death of prayer. They are scared to death of Christ's name. They are scared to death of love and virtue because these things have complete and total power over them. They have no power over it. Right? It's a very, very profound thing. Our prayers do make a difference, a huge difference. So if ever you think to yourself, well, you know, I pray, but nothing ever happens, you know, and no one ever seems to be listening, I promise you, your prayers are being answered. Maybe not in ways that you know or expect, but they are being utilized. Imagine how much evil is kept away from you by through your prayers. So it's powerful, brothers and sisters. But de demons can manipulate, and they do manipulate. And the way that they do that is through temptation, by whispering. And the most powerful th thing that demons have over us is that 90% of the time we don't know that they're there. You see, like I said, we think of them as these big scary things, but the true power of the devil, the true power of demons, is by getting us to think that they are not existent. They're not there. I'm not here. Right? Because if we don't know that they're there, then temptation, all these different things, takes a hold of us. Right? If we know that we're being tempted, if we know the devil's there, if we're like, oh man, I better not do this because I know the devil's behind it, guess what? You've just taken away the devil's power. So the, normally, the devil doesn't know I mean, the devil doesn't want us to know that he even exists. Demons don't want us to know that they're there. They don't want us to know. They want to stay invisible. They want to tempt us from the shadows. They want to stay invisible. They want things that are ugly and horrible and sinful for us to seem beautiful and friendly and something that we need. Something that we need. Oh, I need that. I need that in my life. I deserve that. Right? That's what we think in our heads. Right? That's when the devil get, gets us, is when he's invisible. But if he's not invisible, if we are aware of him, there's another tactic, and that is to scare the hell out of us. See, if we know that he's there, then he wants us to be afraid, to think that he has power over us. Right? He wants us to think that he can control us, to think that he can twist our minds and force us to do anything. You see, the devil can't force us to do anything. He cannot force a single person to do anything. That's not how he works. He doesn't force our hands. You know, your, your mama used to say, oh, the devil made me do it, you know? Or the devil made you do that, you know? Like, like uh, water boy, Dick Clark's the devil, <laughs> you know? You stay away from that girl, she's the devil, Right? You see, the devil wants us to be afraid of him. 
right? To blame things on him when really it's our responsibility. You see, when it comes to sin, when it comes to virtue, it's our responsibility. The devil doesn't force us to do anything. All he does is put things in our path, right? And you see, he's very, he's very intelligent. The devil's extremely smart. He's been observing us since the beginning of time, humanity. He can't, he can't know our thoughts. That's only, only God can know what we're thinking, right? So the devil doesn't know what we're thinking. But he does observe, and he knows our weaknesses because they can see. He sees very well. So he knows your deepest, darkest secrets. Not because he's in your head, but because he can see. And he knows our weaknesses through and through and exploits them. And so when you feel that itch to do something sinful, to reach for that bottle of alcohol, to go on the internet, you know, to do those different things, that's how the devil gets us. That's how he traps us. He puts these things available to us, and he exploits it. He's that voice whispering in your head, you'll like it. Just reach for it. It'll make you feel good. It's beautiful. You'll, you'll enjoy it. You'll feel so much better after all this is done. But does it? It never does when we do these things. It never makes us feel better. It always leads to destruction. Sin always leads to decay and makes us feel miserable. It always does. It never makes things better. Temporarily, it might feel good. Very temporarily. But ultimately, it makes us, it, it kills us. It destroys us. And this is what the devil wants. You let yourself be destroyed, you've given in to his wishes. Right? And so, I'm, I can't believe I'm running out of time already. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about still. So I'm going to quickly get into a couple of things here. So there's two things that are, you know, Hollywoodized, I guess you could say, right? And that is demonic possession and oppression, right? What is that? Well, I'm not going to go into a lot of details here because it's really not worth it. It's not something that we really should concern ourselves with, but we should know that it exists. So demonic possession is when a human soul and body is taken over by the devil or by demons, right? And they can actually control your motors and stuff. Because remember, angels, demons, they can manipulate matter. So they can do that. And that's a very scary thing. But let's be very clear. True possession is a rare thing. It's not common. It's not something that happens every day. So it's not something that we have to be going around worrying about, especially if we're being faithful and we're being faithful to the sacraments, right? But they do happen. People get involved in some shady stuff, and they invite demons into their lives, and, you know, it can happen. And that's when priests are called out to do an exorcism, which is a very powerful prayer, a, a ritual of the church, in which a priest who is designated by a bishop, right, to perform this ritual. And they're very, very powerful. But, you know, they're not as powerful as something else. Exorcism are not as powerful as something else. You know what that is? The sacrament of reconciliation. Reconciliation is the most powerful prayer one can do to ward off evil. The forgiveness of sin. Because the only way the devil can have a hold on you is via sin. Right? 
And so if you get rid, rid of sin from your life, you have taken all of the power away from the devil. Right? All of it. So if there's some of you out here who have been struggling to get to confession, let the fears go. I don't bite. I know Father Patrick doesn't bite. Mitch, he might bite a little bit. <laughs> but I promise you, they want you to, they, we want you to come to confession. We want to hear your sins so that we can forgive you, so that God can, can forgive you, not we, so that God can, can, can forgive you through us, His instruments, right? We desire that. We're not going to judge you. I promise. I promise you, you will not be judged in the confessional. It's not us to judge. It's up to God, right? And He, he wants you to go to confession. He desires you desperately to be forgiven. And so real quick, and just this last minute or two that I have, I'm just going to say a quick list of things to stay away from that can invite demonic activity into your life. I wish I could get into this more, but I'm already out of time. Ouija boards. Stay away from them, right? Portal to hell, right? It's a spiritual game in which you're calling upon spiritual beings that are, guess what, not of heaven. So guess where they're from? Right? One thing you have to think of when it comes to spirituality, if it's not of God, stay away from it. If, it's, if you cannot direct something spiritual back to God, back to the angels, back to the saints, or back to Mary, then stay away from it. Anything. Anything spiritual. Right? Even if it's like herbal tea, and you're like... Oh, this makes my spirit just feel so... No, stay away from it. <laughs> stay away from it. If it's not of God, it's not good, right? All things spiritual come from God, His angels, His saints, the Blessed Virgin Mary. All things spiritual that are good come from Him. All things spiritual that is not of God, not of heaven, not of the angels, not of the saints, guess who it comes from? The devil because he is trying to trick you constantly, trying to draw you in spiritually to things evil. So stay away from Ouija boards. Magic. I'm not talking about magicians that pull a rabbit out of a hat, you know, or, uh, you know, do a fancy card trick, and like, oh my gosh, they're, they're not portals to hell. So those guys, they're just doing sleight of hand. They're just putting on a show. They're doing tricks, right? That's not magic. So you can go to a magic show. You can go to Las Vegas. You can go to the magic show. You're not going to get sucked into the portal of hell. <laughs> don't worry it's okay but real magic right like tarot cards fortune tellers crystal balls those people are calling on spiritual things that are guess what not of God so guess who's manipulating it the devil right plain and simple there's no questions here there's nothing there's no there's no middle ground here, right? It is not of God, so stay away from it. Okay? So fortune to horoscopes, prediction type things. Oh, check my horoscope this morning and see what the planets and the stars have to say about my life. Okay, let's be very clear here. Inanimate objects can't say anything about your life, all right? There's only one person with a plan for your life, and he's in heaven, and his name is God. Okay? That's the only plan that matters. Right? And guess what? We don't, we're, not, we're never going to know that plan either. 
So stop trying to figure out your plan. Stop trying to figure it out. There's only one thing we have to figure out, and that is be perfect and make it to heaven. Okay? Do, do the sacraments, come to church, do all the things that Jesus tells you to do, and everything will be fine. Right? Horoscopes, garbage, trash, stay away from it, not of God. Something spiritual, not of God. The planets, the stars, the way that they're arranged has nothing to do with your life. Guess who made the planets and the stars and arranged them like that? God did. So why not just go straight to Him, right? Planets are cool looking, but they have no bearing over you. So stay away from them. We can't reach the planets anyway. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Demonic music. All right? Now, I'm not talking about Metallica. I love me a good old Metallica song. I was listening to the Four Horsemen on my way here. You think I'm lying? I ain't lying. I'm talking about true demonic music. Music that incites horrible language, demonic language, talks about embracing evil and evil things. Stay away from that kind of music. It's not of God. It's not good. In fact, it's pretty destructive. So stay away from it. Curses, hexes, witchcraft, wizardry. I'm not talking about Harry Potter. That's fictional. Okay? I'm talking about the real stuff. I'm talking about Wiccan and people like that who actually do sacrifices and actually do perform rituals and call upon, guess who? The devil to do their bidding. Stay away from that stuff. Don't go anywhere near it. Don't go anywhere near it. Now, one more, and I know I'm out of time, but I have to say it. And this one's the real, this one's always the controversial one. So everybody always like, oh, Father Paul, I can't believe. Yoga. Yoga, yes. Yoga ain't, it's not good, brothers and sisters. Why? Because it's just a spiritual exercise that's, guess what? Not of God. It's not Catholic. It's not a spiritual exercise that's of heaven. You're not doing yoga poses in the name of Jesus. You're doing yoga poses in the name of pagan gods. Yoga has a pagan background. Okay? Now, can you exercise? Yes! Yes, exercise is good. It's healthy. I need to be doing a lot more of it. Right? But don't do spiritual stuff. Right? Stay away from that stuff. It's not good. Right? I know some of you out there are probably pretty angry because you're like, well, I got my, my yoga class is so awesome and they treat me so well. And I know, I know it's tough. But we've got to let go of this stuff, brothers and sisters. We do. Anything spiritual that's not of God, stay away from it. And so to wrap up this talk, there are powerful spiritual beings that are for us and powerful spiritual beings that are against us both of which do have a place in life, right? To teach us how to stay away from evil, right? And teach us how to embrace that which is good, right? And demons have a place too. And that place is to teach us exactly what we should be staying away from. Angels have a much more important place. And that is to teach us where we need to be. We need to be in the grace of God at all times and seek His love and utilize all these great things that he has given us 
the angels, the saints, intercession, church, the sacraments. There's so many different things, brothers and sisters. We need not look anywhere else. God made it so that we do not have to look anywhere else to find his love. We just have to look here. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. I know the angels are really angels to praise the Lord. Yes, ma'am. No. There's no need. It's, okay. it's, there's no need to. You could pray to them and thank them. Well, you can thank your guardian angels. Specifically, you can thank them. But you can't pray for them. Ah, uh, well, I mean, when you pray and you ask for specific things, you automatically receive more grace, right? The more, the more that we pray, the more grace that we're that's flowing, right? So, yeah, the angels delivering more grace, right? Well, they don't need it, right? They're, they're already saved. It's just like the it's just like the saints. We don't pray for the saints. We pray to the saints because they've already made it. They don't need the prayers anymore. Right? They're praying for us, for our sorry butts. We're the ones that need the prayers. Right? Yeah. You don't pray for God. God certainly doesn't need prayers. Right? Same thing. You don't pray to pray for the angels. They don't need them. You don't pray for the, de for the demons and all either because they can't get them. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. 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 Okay. So, using the stars as a map is very different than using them as a spiritual guide, right? Okay, so stars are lined up in a way that we can use them physically. Physically, not spiritually, as a map. You know, that, that's a nautical thing, right? That's how, that's, how, that's how America was discovered, because of the stars, right? Because of the way the stars are plotted, sailors could find their way to, to a place and back. And so the wise men, right, they were astronomers, and they plotted the stars. They weren't figuring out the, the, the future, right? But this new star appeared that was never there before, right? It was a bright, big star. And they saw it as a sign of something profound and powerful, and they received a spiritual inclination, right? The Spirit spoke to their hearts and said, follow the star. That's where you'll find the Messiah. And so they weren't using like a horoscope like to figure out their spirituality. That's the difference. But Can I add something to that? Yes, please. Uh, biblical scholars say that that star that appeared was actually an angelic being. Right. Um, because think about it. Stars don't move. Right. <laughs> they followed the star all the way, and it moved with them, and then it stopped over the cave. Right. So they actually, the biblical scholars, um, more of a biblical question than it is a scientific question, um, say that it was an angelic being uh, that appeared, led them as angels do. Angels are pure light. They have no, no being, so no, no physical body. 
So, um, so that's the, the biblical answer is more in line with what you're talking about. Right. right? Sure. sure. Absolutely. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes and no. So the beatific vision for us is a lot different for us than, than angels. And I, I honestly I can't describe what that's like for them because I'm not an angel. So <laughs> I'm not making fun of you, but but just in, just in reality, though, their experience of it is certainly different than our experience of it, but no less beautiful. Um, our path is very different than angels, though. And, and, and there's a lot of things, brothers, I'm just going to let you all know right now. Hopefully Mitch will invite me again one day to do a second talk, because there's a lot of things I couldn't fit into this talk that I could have explained a little bit more about um, and then that's that's why that you might have some more like intense questions right now about this kind of stuff because I kind of ran out of time to talk about all these different things. But um, but yeah, it, it it looks a little different than us, but it's no less beautiful. Angels are created beings. It is it is a heresy to say that a human being becomes an angel, right? So your, your grandma, who's like, oh, you know, they were, so, they, they, they were so good, they become an angel when they go to heaven. She's a heretic. I'm just right. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not a, not a heretic, just misinformed. No, we do not become angels when we die, Very to be very clear. We become exalted. We become saints when we go to heaven, but we do not become angels. Yeah, I think that's a little more um, our sentimentalities. And right. It's kind of our limited understanding of, oh, well, they're in heaven. Angels are in heaven, right? Right. But the truth is you become something greater because you become a saint. Right. And one day your body will rejoin with your soul and be even more glorious. Right. So you become something even greater, you could say, than even the, the angels. You do. You do, and that, that's yeah. that's part of the reason why the, the demons hate us so much. Because they're like, "Wow, oh, these worms actually become better than us." It's crazy. Yeah. I'm sorry. What's greater than an angel? God is greater than an angel. Oh, we when when we die and our souls go to go to heaven and become glorified. To a certain degree, we become even more exalted than the angels have because we have merited salvation through our hard work and through, you know, doing very, very difficult things in this life in order to make it there. And so uh, Christ's salvation for us, right, uh, he, well, I say we merit, he merited for us salvation. He in his infinite mercy, gave us a path to get to heaven. And because of our grueling time on earth, when we make it to heaven and become counted among the saints, to a certain degree, you know, we don't become more powerful than the angels. Like, you won't be able to, like, snap your fingers and zap people and stuff like that. But you do become highly exalted. Highly exalted. Yes, sir. I think you get, I don't know, I, I, I don't, 
I don't know if they get reassigned. I don't know. Mine if doesn't want to get reassigned. <laughs> I, I don't know. Tired. Uh, honestly, I don't. I don't know uh, what happens to them. But I. But I do know this. I do know this is you will get to meet your guardian angel. You will get to meet your guardian angel, which will be amazing. I plan on going fishing with my guardian angel. <laughs> My plans are to sit down and have a very big steak and ask my guardian angel how he did it, how he put up with all my BS for all these years. You know, that's my plan. You know. Let me say one more question. Let me say right here. Yes, ma'am. Uh, tarot cards, fortune, crystal balls. Yeah. Also, also one that uh, I don't know if you mentioned, but mediums, mediums are yeah. also in that. The catechism speaks directly right. about those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a a any any kind of person who claims to have any kind of fortune or knowledge that isn't of God, stay away from it. Is a what? Perfected image. Um. Well. I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 well, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to label that language because an angel is something different entirely. We have to, we have to be clear. An angel is not a human being. A human being is not an angel, right? Well, yeah, I mean, they, they can appear visible to us, certainly, as they do to Mary when they brought Mary the message, right? But it, that they are not taking a physical form. They are still pure spirit. They just are manipulating our eyes to be able to see, basically, so that we can talk to something, right? It's not, it's, it's not just, you know, pure spirit is something that we can't behold, right? And so angels have the ability to take on a form so that we can see and understand, but they still stay formless. Right? It doesn't mean that they've assumed a body. Right? Does that make sense? What's that? There's a lot of debate on that. And I've heard some people tell me that they've had two, three, four, five guardian angels even. And, you know, I mean, if, if you think you have two, good for you. <laughs> the church, the you church doesn't say that. That's that's awesome, you know. The more the merrier, I guess. You know, one's enough for me. You know, I I I'm pretty sure having a, a super a super warrior, prayer warrior at my side is pretty good. You know, if you want more, great. Ask for another. One. Maybe you get one. I don't know. Um. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I there there there's there's there have been I've I've heard of prayers of the church to receive a second guardian angel and things like that. And, um, you know, it's a devotional thing, you know. If it, if, it, if it brings you closer to God and brings you closer, you know, to, to your faith, then by all means. Sure. Well, I promise you... One guardian angel's capable of handling those kind of things, you know. Angel, angels don't get overwhelmed by stuff. Just, just to let you, they're not like, oh gosh, you know, I'm, oh, I need a break. Let me call in my, my buddy guardian angel to, you know, I need, I need a vacation. This guy's just, no, I mean, they're pure spirit. They don't need a vacation. 
Awesome. As you can tell, this is a hot topic, and we could probably stay here all night. And if right. you want to stay and ask more questions, you're more than welcome to. I'm sure Father Paul would give yeah. a few more minutes. I'll stay up here. Um, but I want to respect our time. We, we sure. said an hour, and it's been an hour and 20. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and close out with a prayer. And I want to tell you about this uh, Saturday that we have coming up. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord God, we thank and praise you for tonight, for the great gift that you've given to us of your holy church to lead us and to guide us. We thank you for the gift of the holy angels that you've also given to us as our guardians and protectors. Father, we ask your blessing to be with us tonight as we go home. The holy angels may keep us safe on the road, and they may always lead us and uh, inspire our thoughts and inflame our hearts to come to know you and love you and serve you more. We ask our blessed mother, the queen of the angels, the queen of heaven, to pray for us. As we pray, Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.